Welcome to Talking in Stations, a podcast about EVE Online. Today, uh, we are going to talk about uh, State of the North, Black Legion versus Snuff, actually. It's more of a uh, sabotage uh, backstab, but we'll talk about that. And we're going to get into wormhole stuff. Cool. So let's introduce uh, everyone. I am Matterall, and uh, we're going to go with the panel and then the guests. So, Carneros. Good morning. I'm Carneros. Artemis. Howdy, howdy. Cascora. Hey, all. And today as guests, uh, we first have Harvey Skywalker. Tom Wright, hello. And from a wormhole space, Exuki. Good afternoon. All right. So that's the gang today. Let's get into some of these topics. State of the North. Uh, as we know, the war has come to an end. There was the deal signed uh, that was proposed by Aerith to Sort Dragon at, uh, I believe it was at the winter uh, summit in Iceland where the CSM were gathering. There were some negotiations that went on there. That led to a cessation of hostilities, and the North would get a giant payoff. Uh, sorry, the Imperium would get a giant payoff to leave the North alone for one month, at which time they were free to re-engage the North, except for Guardians of the Galaxy or the Dead Coalition, uh, which were off-limits for six months. Uh, part of the signatories of that deal were um, four regions and people who were in the four regions for that. In one of those really, regions. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Correct me if they, you want. They weren't really signatories. They were just affected territories. They didn't actually okay. sign the deal. You're right. Absolutely. It's not signatories. And that's key to what we're going to talk about. Uh, so they were not signatories. There was only one signatory, and that was Sort Dragon. So the deal was made with Sort Dragon. Sort Dragon decided to include his friends. So those regions were covered uh, by the graces of Sort Dragon. They did not ask for it, the people in those regions. They did not negotiate it, and they certainly didn't sign for it. So wrong word. You're right to correct me, Carneros. So, yeah, so and uh, it, it, might, it might be worth mentioning as well that um, apparently, you know, uh, Hearsay says that Salt was actually offered a deal where he, you know, didn't secure any of his allies. So he, he was initially apparently offered a deal where, you know, he could pay for GOTG's safety and leave, you know, his current allies out to dry, and and he refused that um, that deal apparently, and and renegotiated, and and I guess managed to get a month's reprieve for you know the the other regions and and his allies. Uh, this is you know, this I, obviously I wasn't in the talks, but these are the things you hear um, on the grapevine, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, none of us were in those talks. Those talks were uh, by Aerith of Goonswarm and uh, Sort, and maybe the team at Goonswarm, which would include Marana, the head of uh, diplomacy, of course, Mittens, who's the CEO or the leader of Imperium, and probably the FC Asher, um, who would obviously need to weigh in. Uh, on the other side of it, uh, people that weren't there were notably Gobbins, who's the leader of a horde, and horde resides in one of the regions that was covered, Geminate. Uh, since then, Gobbins has expressed his anger. Actually, what happened was, right after it was signed, he sent a uh, sort of message saying, get all your oracles out of my territory. <laughs> get them out of Geminate. I'm kicking you out, basically. I think that was a pretty clear sign, but 
Stork figured, well, it's just that they don't know what's in the terms of the deal. I got them something good. Let me just talk to them. They'll figure it out. That same night that it was signed, Sort did uh, ask me anything right here on Talking In Stations Discord, where over 100 people piled into one of our channels, and Sort had an hour, hour and a half to talk over and take questions what was in the deal. Uh, and in that time, he was very deferential to Goon Swarm. Asher was in the channel listening. Um, and I don't think Gobbins liked that very much. I, th I think he took that as a, wow, Sort's really bowing to the South in, a, in such a big way, like he's going over the top. I might have biases, but I didn't yeah. interpret it as deferential. More just polite and, and keeping a neutral tone. But, but I do have my biases. But, but essentially bending the knee. Well, well he, he, he descriptively bent for... more than the knee. He was like uh, seriously saying like even sexually explicit stuff about, you know, what the goons could do to them and, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> he might have been tired, maybe not saying the right words or whatever. But I think from Gobbin's point of view, that was like beyond the, the, beyond the line. Yeah, I right? mean, I, uh, I like to call the deal the wedge. Um, because you know it's structured in a way. This is probably that. it's probably part of the reason you know that Gobbins um, was so angry, right? Because it, it's structured in a way that it's it has an imbalance built into it, and uh, you know there's that's no mistake in my opinion. You know this is this is classic uh, you know meta gaming you know at its finest from from Goons Arith whoever was negotiating this thing. You know an, an imbalance in the deal across the northern alliances is can do nothing really other than cause uh friction between the alliances and uh a schism i think is what Arath called it you know uh, earlier in a, in a kind of a sarcastic way he was saying oh me make a deal that that would cause a schism in the north never you know so it was definitely you can you can sort of see how uh Govins might have felt about it when, you know, when the when the terms came out and you sort of pick through the fine print and realize, you know, that that it's it's structured in a very deliberate way and a clever way to uh, cause, you know, as much kind of disruption in the north as possible. I would say. Well, you I can see from disagree. the messaging too, though, that why we don't have Aerith as our lead diplomat, we use Marana <laughs> instead. I think that. Um, Yes, it does cause problems. Yes, it was known it would cause problems. But I, I agree with the assumption we're all making that the original deal was going to be no provisions for the other northern allies, right? If you're Green Swarm or the Imperium, rather, and you're going in to make a deal, you want a separate piece with one singular entity because that is going to cause the most trouble between all of the groups. Sword Dragon tried to limit the amount of drama that would be caused by renegotiating this deal and getting some provisions made for the other allies. Now, if you're sitting on Sort Dragon's side of the table here, you're thinking, I could have gotten a sweeter deal. My alliance could have paid less. We could have gotten more time without hostilities, things like that. But then it would cause trouble because the rest of our allies would just be left out in the cold. So he is trying to limit the drama caused by this by adding them into the provisions. I don't think it's the case that the Imperium would have preferred that limited terms of protection were included for the other Northern Territories over zero terms of protection included. I think if Sword Dragon had agreed to just get GGs out of this war, everybody else, they're on their own, Imperium would have jumped at it. 
right. Let's actually just finish up the summary and then we can discuss it uh, just to kind of get people up to speed on what's happened up to now. Uh, so with this deal signed, the uh, goon swarm is today retreating or yesterday retreating back home to retreating is uh, the wrong word for it, but they're re returning to the south with their heavy duty uh, super capital fleet. Um, but there was a fireside chat where, and correct me if I'm wrong, but Matani basically said, um, well, Horde's not included in the deal if they want to, if Horde wants to take themselves out of the deal. So fine, we'll attack them, uh, altering the terms of the deal. And that was done because the leader of Horde, Gobbins, had written a ping saying, we never asked to be part of this deal. And that he also reset Sort Dragon's alliance and coalition uh, and had actually planned some attacks uh, against them. So, so was all, I was in that fireside. He didn't okay. say we'll attack them. He did say um, they don't want to be in the deal anymore uh, and they're no longer covered as part of it. You're free to do what you want. Uh, and there were a couple questions that said, could we, could we troll and tosis their solve? Yes, you could do that if you want. Could we do this or that? Could we hit a structure? Yes, you could do that if you want. There was no, we're going to attack them. We still have our a plan to take a little break, go home. They're asking people, they're making a sort of World War II analogy of some sort of like, let's go home and have a baby boom of Titans. Yeah, Let's go home and see if we can make some more shield Titans to go with our armor Titans. So that's kind of like the, the overall main plan at the moment. Let's go home for a little bit. Right, but but the point is that, and we'll litigate this in just a second, but the point is that in the Fireside Chat in public, uh, Matani said, the deal is altered, Horde is not off-limits to Cloakies, to Initiative, whoever wants to attack them. But he didn't necessarily say, we're going to attack them. Uh, so the, the terms were changed, uh, and that's where we stand today, that uh, a deal was made, the deal was changed, was it done properly between the two signatories of the deal? Sort Dragon says, Imperium did not break any deal with me, but he won't say that he was approached to change the deal. Uh, and so that's an interesting point. Um, and, and that's kind of where we're going with this, right? I mean, Harvey, you picked up on the same strain of uh, logic that I did as far as diplomacy goes. Yeah, maybe I wasn't as diplomatic about it, but I, I went <laughs> I saw I saw something that was you know an inconsistency and a discrepancy, and and I I started poking at people to try and see what would give and get to the bottom of it because you know like I was saying to you earlier we were talking about it um, mittens has always told us you know and you know has stuck by the fact that goons when they make a deal they stick to it and they have done as far as I'm aware and it's you know it's a commendable and it's a it's a strong position to have if you can maintain you know the, the idea that you will always stick to a deal, then you can always make deals, even with your enemies, you know. And and the deal that they that he signed, or you know, I guess signed silly, but you know, they he agreed with sort, you know, that that was based off the back of you know a good reputation of of goon swarms and the imperiums of of sticking to their deals. And then you know this, it's all happened very rapidly. This sort of tr train of events. Uh, Goblin's resetting uh, GOTG, 
And then um, the fireside almost the next day where Mitten says, you know, essentially that it's open season for goons, you know, you can do what you want to his to his his members, you know, to his guys. He just says, you know, you can do whatever. They're no longer covered, you know. And, and like I was saying, I, I feel like sort, you know, is trapped between a rock and a hard place. You know, he's trying to he, he's done this deal, obviously, you know, with the best interests of his own alliance, uh, his coalition, and even you know his allies in NCMPL. He's you know he's definitely making choices you know, in his opinion, trying to do the best for, for his for his team. Obviously, Dobbins sees it differently without, you know, clearly because uh, he was not happy. And and then now we see that the the, um, the Imperium, you know, the, the space violence SIG has moved, like I'd say, just to rough, roughly summarize about 300 dreadnoughts, which I presume contain their doctrine ships, you know, that they use for subcap fights in those, and they've moved them into Geminate, into the MPC station of FDZ. And uh, that's a, that's a bold move. It, you know, nothing that would normally surprise me, but the reason I was surprised and shocked is that, you know, that this deal was pretty explicit about what was meant, you know, what were the terms were, what the stipulations were, you know, what would what would break the deal, what wouldn't break the deal. And a, and a reset between the, the Northern Alliances wasn't in there as a stipulation, you know, and, and the idea that it would have been in there even as a secret clause or as, you know, an open clause, you know, is a bit silly. Why would the Imperium not want us to all start fighting each other and, you know, go into a a shit show as as Aerith called it you know why would he not want that you know so there's certain there's definitely um uh, at least a gray area there's 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 a discrepancy and that's why I was poking at sort and you know I didn't want to put him on the spot too much because I know that he's in a tough he's in a tough spot at the moment you know because he's got to try and juggle his his allies in NCMPL he's he's you know he does not want to get reset by them as well you know, he's got to keep he's got to keep a lot of people happy. Basically, on both sides of this, you know, universe-wide conflict, he's trying to keep everybody happy. I do not envy him at all. I know y'all y'all want to weigh in on this, so I, w- I want to give a little bit of context for newer viewers or less less uh, experienced Eve players for a moment, and that is when this side of the war. And I know hand gestures don't help very well for podcast listeners, but uh, on this side of the war, um, when this Northern Front opened up, uh, forces from the Imperium started moving north through Fountain, through Cloud Ring, to go and engage forces in sort of the pure blind fade area, roughly speaking. And the the allies in the north um, are not all mixed together in one soup there are individual sections and the nearest section at the time was circle of two so they bear bore the brunt of the initial attack now that circle of two has moved out of the area and relinquished that those stations in that territory the next nearest large group is sort dragons um uh, dead coalition formerly known as guardians of the galaxy um, dead, dead being a name, not a, a descriptive term. And he, um, you know, he started to feel the pressure now that CO2 was gone. So then he puts this deal together 
And the next closest uh, group might be pandemic horde, depending on how the move goes. So now the leaders of pandemic horde feel the pressure for what's next. And that's sort of the context by which people are reacting to these deals. Also, it's worth pointing out that this particular treaty was was originally designed to be secret and never really public. And it was going to be a case where um, where uh, if the deal were signed, the Imperium forces would just sort of quietly decide to go another direction and not attack the people involved. And no one would really know why. They just went away. Oh, it's a natural break. Let's take a break. Let's all go back and make... Uh, baby Rorquals or, or Titans together. No, it's it's it wasn't designed to be kind of uh, out there in the open. So when it did come out, there were people who were affected and surprised, and a lot of people do not like to be surprised diplomatically in Eve. That's some context. Uh, so wasn't there an article posted on Imperium News talking about the deal? Did that come out after it had already after it was leaked? It was already leaked. Okay. So they were just trying to control the story at that point to say, look, here's the deal. But uh, people on the GOTG side or the dead coalition side leaked it out. So now we have to like put an article saying this is what was meant to be. And then you saw a fireside chat after that with what seemed like uh, a Matani and Asher and even Tuzzy just kind of talking people down saying, hey, this is a good deal. So there's clearly some resistance. Well, whenever, whenever the... Uh, the f- constituencies hear about a secret deal, they're all going to immediately go to their leadership and go, what is this? What does it mean for us? How's this going to affect my Eve uh, time? And each side is going to try to characterize it in a way that's as positive as possible for their constituency. Yeah. So the, and and there was also some resistance from initiative to this peace deal. Uh, There's uh, certain people in the Imperium and probably maybe in the North they didn't want peace. They were having a good time fighting. So they really have to be told like, this is better in the long run. One is we can't extend that far from the South. We can't extend that far. That's not going to work. So going into these areas and fighting and fighting and fighting won't work in the long run. Two is we're getting paid a lot of treasure for something we would have done anyway, which is take a break. Uh, these are the ways that they sold it. On the other side, it seems like Sort just rolled over and said, I made this deal. It's the only deal we had. I bought us time. Now you guys have to prove that you want to survive by using this grace period to build up an army to defend yourselves. But his rhetoric was, oh yeah, I rolled over and wow, did goons take advantage of me? Uh, Geez, let me, uh, uh, you know, whatever you need, uh, Imperium kind of thing. Like he went overboard in trying to sell it as like, I want to give credit where credit's due. But by doing that, uh, it seems like some of the signals from the other Northern powers are like, you rolled over, not us. And they were attacking your area, which was a forward operating area, right? Well, I would say decline is not forward operating, but basically pure blind and fade. Those areas are not necessarily core Northern areas. Uh, and Decline probably is getting closer to a core northern area, but that's all considered not secure area, which would be NC territory or P- PL territory uh, or Horde territory. Yeah, so, I mean, that's, that's 
the pure yeah. blind like the trenches, you know, and and it it had held up the uh, the Imperium for a period, but um, with the fall of the Do Six uh, Keep Star, that was pretty much you know the trenches were done in pure blind, and then you've got the open fields of Declan, and possibly tribute. You know, it was basically the war was about to take you know a, a, another go into another phase, and you know. Uh, Asher said on this podcast, I think last week or something, he said that they had decided that they were, you know, that the Imperium wasn't going to go phase two and attack Declan or Tribute. They were actually going to go phase two, pull back, uh, have the baby boom, as Canaris put it. Um, you know, they demonstrated to their guys that they were going to use Titans a lot, and that would give an incentive to actually put that extra push in for for Johnny Johnny Line member to get his Titan and they were going to go back and do that. And the deal coincided nicely for them with that. Uh, obviously nobody, no one's, no one's going to tell anybody that that's going to, that's the intention until you actually do it. And the deal fell nicely, you know, into that plan. So yeah, the, the, like I said, the fields of tribute and uh, Declan were probably the next thing, you know, perceived as the def- from the defenders' point of view in the north, they were going to be the next thing in the in the in the sights, so to speak. Right. Well, so that that brings us up to date on where the conflict is. Except that this morning something interesting happened, and I think it was pointed out by I can't say who I guess, and that uh, that last night or a couple nights ago. Uh, Black Legion attacked Venal, uh, reinforcing five structures. Uh, then, who structures were they? I think they were just um, renter structures up in the north, and they would have belonged to renters that pay money to Sort Dragon. Um, and those were all reinforced, and by Black Legion. And then there was the reset from Horde, saying we reset. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxies. It's not a friendly reset if you see him kill him. Uh, and they also called a red pin, which is the highest level of um, attention, red pin CTA, call to arms, for the moment those structures were coming out of reinforced. So in other words, BL set up these structures to be killed by Horde. Horde, in between that time, said, we're no longer friends with uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Therefore, you can kill them and their renters, allowing them to have a perfect moment to strike, which is actually just a few minutes ago that battle was taking place. Unfortunately, the battle, I do not think, and I don't have any hard data, did not go well for Horde. They attacked, and they have not... um, I don't know what damage was done, if any. But that seemed to be a plan that was in the works there. So it's real. It's not people playing with words like uh, Horde genuinely doesn't like Guardians of the Galaxies right now and they're supposed to be on the same team after all of them got a, a whomping from the Imperium in the South who is still at this point officially retreating uh, even though the veil of coverage has been lifted off Horde so Horde's territory in Geminite can be messed with if uh, people want to mess with it. Now I think that's a capitulation to people who wanted to continue to fight. Uh, Harvey, isn't that what you think? Sorry, I beg your pardon. I put you on the spot. No, I was being messaged about some other spaceship things going on in the background. Oh, that's right. The question again, go again, sorry. I'm so sorry. No, it's okay. I know you're running fleets and stuff, but uh, it seems to me that enough people didn't like stopping 
the fighting, that this seems to be an easy way for Mittens and the Imperium to say, okay, you guys, you want to keep fighting? Go ahead and take on Horde, even though we agreed they were part of the deal before. Yeah, I would. I, if I was in Horde, you know, I would. I'd be sitting there, wondering, you know, what what's really going on, and and definitely, like you were saying about the in it thing, you know, in it in it in their Soto were not clear, not clearly behind the sort of deal. They were a bit little, little bit miffed, let's say, you know, having the sort of rug pulled out from under them and told to stop. And perhaps, you know, members in, in the Imperium as well, like you said, like Knaus was saying, the signaling and, and Mitten said the signaling was not how they would have liked to have put it out. You know, it was leaked from, from the northern side and it made it a bit of a bit of a mess, you know, the the, the messaging going out to, to the, the members and everything. So yeah, I, I don't I don't know to be honest. You know, I, I was talking with Apple Pear earlier and I'm, I'm undecided, but I, f- I feel like there's definitely the, the, there could well be something there. You know, the, the conspiracy theorist in me, you know, wants to say that you know perhaps uh, perhaps the deal the deal makers underestimated how keen uh, the your average goon was for burning burning GOTG and continuing the the push because they'd had nothing but success, absolutely nothing but success. You know, four or five keep stars killed in in and around Pure Blind. Um, you know, Titan battles won on an unprecedented scale. I, I mean, I know Btakar is a massive fight, and and more Titans were killed in it. But the, these 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 Titan battles were some of the closest battles, I think, in numbers of Titans and both sides committing and everything. You know, they had nothing but success. So uh, militarily, you would think mil- militarily, you would think you keep pushing an advantage when you when you have one like that. So I think there was there was a lot of surprise, like you say, that they were going to stop, and and maybe um, the deal makers underestimated the the that surprise. And then when Gobbins did his reset, they see a way to actually um, let loose the dogs of war again, who are you know chomping at the bit to go to go back at it in the north, and and then the 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 sort of Gobbins reset backstab type thing happens, and it's a perfect. Cassius Belly to uh, to go at it again. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see what happens here. Anyone else got anything on this? I will say one last thing. It's it's easy enough for <laughs> it's easy enough for like uh, the the line members to say, "Let's keep fighting, let's keep fighting," because they only show up once every five or six fleets, you know. But these fleet commanders have to arrange and work all these shifts, and and that brings me to. People are, I'm going to make people mad, but I'm going to, I'm going to say it. FCs are kind of the help, aren't they? Like in the house, aren't they the, like the servants of the place? They're the guys bringing you the drinks? Because it's always on its head that the FCs kind of are, are like, you know. I would say the logistics powerful. guys are. And the, the, uh, oh, yeah. and the scouts and the Sinos and all, all the recon folks. And there's a lot of support folks. The the FCs put in a huge amount of work, but they also get some attention from it. You know, they get their, we'll just say their egos fluffed a bit. Yeah. Well, I just mean like if you're a player of this game, there are people setting up your fun for you. Uh, they're working hard <laughs> at doing that. Uh, so you kind of show up when you want, you participate when you want, and then you log off and you're done. So I consider FCs like the help. Same with logistics. Uh, I'm just I'm just teasing them. Okay. Uh, 
there is something else that we're going to talk about. Uh, ben, I keep calling him Blandemic Legion because of what Harvey was talking about earlier in talking in stations. Can you tell us what that was, Harvey? Like that whole joke? All right. So I was just memeing about a little bit because, uh, you know, everybody's a, a backseat general, myself included. And we, we sit and we look at the north and we look at the conflict and we go, you know, what, what's happened? What's going wrong in the north? What's going right in the south? And, and um, you know, it, it's quite clear to a lot of people, you know, that there's a there's a different structure there going on. You might say that the 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 north is very much like the CFC was before when it lived in the north, before it changed the imperium, before there was the consolidation under Goon Swarm. You know, there was spread many alliances spread over that that large area of the north. You know, the same mistakes basically that that led to the losses in World War B by by the CFC. Um, you know, are happening again, and it's and it's it's a lot, it's very you know it's like the uh, uh, the CFC uh, two point north. You know, it's just over again the same the same stuff. And then I was just joking around saying that you know to solve it we were going to take every single corporation in the north, be they in PL, NC dot, uh, rate my ticks, the rental alliances. You know, absolutely everybody hoard all of them and just blend them together into one big alliance, and then. <laughs> And then, you know, have a single leader and I was assigning, I was just joking, you know, assigning roles for Vince, for Sort and all this stuff, having a, having a bit of a laugh. Um, but, you know, behind the jokes was the thing that, you know, it was, it was basically commenting on, on the, you know, the, the way that the Imperium has adapted and changed after their loss in the World War B and, and hopefully how the North could adapt to to create like a counter a counter culture a counter imperium you know lessons learned through losing in the same ways you know you would have thought perhaps we could have learned those lessons rather you know from from watching watching what happened to the cfc but anyway sometimes you just got to learn things the hard way hey eh? and i and i blended everybody's names together and made it some weird <laughs> yeah. or something you also had a name for the north that i really liked what was that yeah, uh I don't you know. say I'm so fast, like you might not remember. I, I like naming things. What can I yeah, say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're super fast with it, but you call it the uh, CFC Point North or Two, two Point, point North. north. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty funny. Uh, which is kind of interesting because the whole thing about uh, the North being the CFC is that they're fragmented. They're unified as the North, but they're super fragmented. You can see they're even fighting each other at the moment, uh, whereas the the lessons from Imperial Aegisov was to gather everybody in the same corporation or the same alliance so you can own the same structures. And uh, the Imperium seems to have done that much better. And it's funny because they were getting teased hard for that. They're saying, ah, why dot everybody? Watch out. If you ally with goons, they're just going to swallow you up. But guess what? That was the plan, and that plan is working. All right. Um, do we uh, do we want to talk about Black Legion next? Or do we want to go to wormholes? Because I feel like we're gonna have let, let's talk about wormholes first. I think there's a couple things to like stir people up about. Plus, most of the audience is probably from Nullsec, so they'll be like, "Grr, uh, Kaskora, what's going on in wormholes?" Well, you know, <laughs> tend to get overlooked a lot because of all the Nullsec shit going down. <laughs> <laughs> Represent, you know. It's kind of the typical thing you think about with wormholes is we're a smaller population of the game, 
But so, so obviously the big news, the big craziness that always happens seems to be with Nullsack. You hear about the Titans, you hear about the Supers, and um, you don't really hear about a lot of the wormhole fights because they're usually on a smaller scale. There's none of these big, super crazy ships getting exploded all the time because we can't have Titans and Supers and wormholes. So they don't seem as flashy and as, and as, um, you know, big for publicity as a lot of the Nullsack fights. So a lot of times we just kind of, sit silently in our little wormhole community and just bounce things off each other is the best is the way that we kind of spread our talk. So coming into a forum like this is not super common because again, a lot of people are NullSec people. So they might not understand how we live or really see why the big fights that we have matter as much to us because to them, this might be small potatoes, like a hundred people fighting in a wormhole. That's, that's why is that relevant? But for us, that's, you know, it's a big fight. Well, something came up that was super relevant. Um, yeah. So one of this this kind of um, is really kind of exemplified in some of the recent changes they announced. Uh, they um, announced that they were going to be removing the um, any uh, navigation effects from Hicks when they have their bubble up. So CCP which, announced to be clear. Yes, yeah, CCP. This was announced in the in the recent was it a dev blog I think or was with their patch notes or something. Uh, but it was it was it came out because in K space uh, the 500 mn Hicks were like really overpowered, which of course we like never fly those, so that was something that was kind of like oh, okay, well it doesn't really affect us that much; it affects them. But there's another aspect of the Hick. See, my dog really agrees with this too. This is a big deal for him. <laughs> um, but the Hick changes really, really, really affected us because um, Hicks, the way that they are right now, is a big aspect of how we. Uh, roll wormholes. So for people who don't know, uh, you can collapse wormholes either by time or by mass. And Hicks can vary their mass extremely based on if the bubble is up or if you have an overpriced prop, oversized prop mod or not. And so removing this would have made it very difficult for people to roll holes when they're a small mass. So um, I know Exo talked to the talked to them about this at FanFest, I believe it was, right? Uh, well, I mean, this is, uh, I mean, this item came up because, and it, you know, it was also talked about on the the March dev blog that it's, you know, CCP's wanted to get rid of uh, lurch hectors for a while, and that was fine because wormhole space lurch hectors are just a meme. Um, like they're they're silly, but they don't really do anything of value in wormhole space besides make you be like, wow, look at that thing disappear. Um, or occasionally, like, murder people that warped in at 100 and they blink and there's a broadsword on top of them because it goes 8K a second. But, you know, we just said, like, right now, as it is, being able to roll frigate wormholes with Hectors and being able to have a diminished risk in rolling crit wormholes is relatively important to us. So we said, please make sure you don't mess that up. They said, no problem, we'll roll them out together. And then, you know... Uh, as the dev blog stated, they decided to change their mind and, and not roll them out together. So this this definitely sent some ripples through the wormhole community when this was announced. Not yeah. just because the changes suck for us, but because in a way it kind of exemplified a lot of how wormholers feel when it comes to CCP and dev changes. A lot of us kind of feel like we aren't really considered. And especially it's really seen now that we don't have a dedicated CSM member that's a wormholer. You know, previously we had Noobman, we had Corbex, we've had people in the past for at least four or five years. We've always at least had one 
wormhole person. Some people who might fly in wormholes, but there's always like that one wormhole guy. And this year we didn't have that. So it feels like it's even more epitomized that people just aren't really thinking about how things affect wormholes or how wormhole is affected in the game. And since we're smaller, it seems like, oh, well, it's just collateral damage. It's fine. We know it's going to affect you guys, but you're just a small group. So why does it matter? And it, for the people who do play in wormholes, it really matters. And the people who do play in wormholes, for the most part, are very committed to this game. We've, we've been playing in a long time. So it really, you know, kind of hit us in a, in a couple different ways, this, this change. Yeah, they, they called you, uh, well, they didn't call you. They said the effects that you would feel were collateral damage uh, in the official announcement, which actually collateral damage became a term that was uh, picked up and saying, see, this is how you see us as, as, not, uh, as, as innocent bystanders that, that aren't engaged in the actual conflict. Like we're just a side project. Right. Am I overstating that? I think no, I am. And it's, I mean, it, but that's kind of how it seemed to us because they always talk back about how like, well, wormholers weren't meant to be lived in in the first place. Like that keeps getting brought back that, well, wormholers, when pauses, that wasn't supposed to be a, like a solid part of the game. But, but they weren't. Right? They weren't, right? But, but then they always talk about Eve as being all about emergent gameplay, that everything is supposed to be adapted and changed based on the players. And so I feel like in the... Wormholers are the best example of that. You know, we we're a part of space that they didn't intend on, but we've created our own home in this type of space. We've got a large community, not as big as some of the null blocks, but still, you know, we've got a committed group of people in this in this wormhole community of ours, and we got our own little culture going on. And so, when they say stuff like, "Oh, well, you know, it, it, you're just collateral damage," or "Oh, it'll be all right, you guys will adapt," like we've had we've had moments of those before, and you know, it, it feels a little, it feels like we're just not being considered when we are so devoted to this game to begin with. I mean, right. even regarding, regardless of wormholers, I know Exuki, like he, he and I, we both have meetups. We like are really involved in all the community, like not just wormholes. So, right. So, yeah. So you guys got upset. It was clear. You guys came out of the forums. I think immediately CCP said that we hear you um, and there will be some kind of a fix. And then later on, um, well, of course, there was a huge outpouring of uh, conversation. Even in Talking in Stations Discord, there was a huge back and forth. A lot of people were saying, suck it up, uh, the null suckers. Um, uh, but basically, CCP recognized that it was a problem, and they said, we're going to fix it. Do you think they fixed it? Exuki, what do you think of their change? Uh, it works. Um, it's not completely ideal but i think you know we've got to compromise a little bit i would have preferred that it was a script so that it doesn't require me to have to refit between having a hector that can be you know somewhat combat ready and needing to have the module that i need to have fit to actually do this rolling purpose because right now i have several heavy interdictors that can do both things without needing to do anything but now i'm just going to have to carry around a mobile depot with the module that I need and, you know, it adds a quick extra, if I'm doing it in the field, it adds a quick extra minute. Uh, if I'm doing it at home, I'll just dock up, swap them out. But it's, I, it's annoying, but it's acceptable. Um, in my opinion, that the new change that they've proposed that uh, will allow us to continue doing everything. What I think is for the most part silliest, though, is that they act like it took them a little while to come up with this solution. 
this is the solution they proposed at FanFest. They said, what if we do this? And we said, yes, that looks fine. And then, you know, five months later, it's like they forgot that they already had a solution for this. And I don't know. It, it, it feels kind of silly. Uh, do you think the CSM uh, was good on their representation for you guys or was it lacking? It was mostly Brisk, wasn't it, who who represented for you on this? Well, internally, that's what they said. That's what the CSM said. The only person that really kind of raised the. I mean, I've talked with Brisk a bunch. Yeah. Uh, I have none of the other CSMs have really reached out to me, but I've had several different one-on-one conversations with Brisk. It's it's really hard to say. Beside you know what the truth is, what I can say is that from the outside, you know, when they come out here, the impression I get is that nobody tried very hard to convince CCP that you know making wormhole space was collateral damage wasn't wasn't good. Brisk says he stood up and attempted, but to, to you know to persuade them otherwise. But whether or not he did, I'm not sure it matters. I'm not sure we could really ever prove one way or the other. Just that. I would not be very surprised at all if no one else in the room even cared, is, I guess, my, my honest opinion of the CSM. I mean, well, we've had multiple CSM members coming out and literally stating that they just don't care. So I don't think you're off the mark there. Yeah, well, and, they, and I just feel some people in the chat saying, like, well, how committed are wormholers if you don't have, if you couldn't get enough votes for a CSM? And, you know, that's another thing, too, is that the reason... Like it's hard for all of wormhole community to come together to vote for one person when nullsec is just so much more populous, and a lot of times people in the past have won with wormholes because they've had null support too. Like Newman, you know, he was really big with PL as well, so he was be able able to get in there as well. So you know, it part of it is is politics again. I mean, this CSM has well like five goonswarm members or something like that. I mean, it's obvious six. that there were certain groups that six, yeah. There were obvious certain groups turned out to vote more so than others. And, you know, we pulled together to try to get what we could, but sometimes the numbers just aren't there for us. And so we we try to, you know, some people have kind of reached out like, oh, well, you know, I can talk about wormholes, but unless you really live there or unless you're really committed to thinking about wormholes, it's hard to, you know, like people just don't think about us sometimes when they're thinking about stuff that interests them because, you know, that's more important to them. What could be done now to help set the stage for better uh, participation and getting a candidate in there for the next CSM. Well, I think all of Wormhole Space had pretty much chosen their like desired candidate. For us, it was Exuki. He was the, the the one that we kind of all agreed we should represent us in a way. I mean, he's been around in Wormholes for forever. He has his own meetup. He, everyone knows who he is. So he was kind of our candidate, but he's maybe not as big in NullSec where new band was and he's got a big name for himself there. So I think really, you know, if, if we want to do it for next year, we just need, we need the NullSec people to help support us and understand that we should have a voice too. you know, best we can do. Hopefully. I think, you know, for the most part, one of the, we, there were two kind of issues that we had overall, um, this year. I, there were probably people out there that have, more data or more insight to support or dispute these claims, but more people 
from other parts of space voted in the CSM this year than wormhole space. It's difficult to say, well, that's because wormholers just didn't come out and vote. Uh, I suspect it's a little bit of not as many people voted this year, but I think it's also proportionally. I think a lot of people in NullSec might just actually have more votable accounts now than they did a year ago. Uh, I have very little data or facts to, to claim that besides that's just the impression I got. Uh, I mean, because I, you know, I've got no shortage of people that told me, well, I voted for you. Sorry, it wasn't enough after the fact. And um, I mean, a, a lot of people, you know, are, are concerned that uh, we didn't do very good about solidifying ourselves behind one candidate. With very few exceptions, very few people voted for another wormhole candidate that didn't vote with me on their ballot as well. There, I mean, there were some, but amongst all of the wormholers, wormhole ballots, it was very, it was a very small part. The only part that's probably even worth mentioning is I had no or very little Russian support from the Russian wormhole community. They voted for their own csm and absolutely nothing else uh but you know it's proportionally it seems that you know nullsec just got even better at figuring out the best way to to for lack of a better phrase game the system they know exactly what they're doing and as a result you have a, a csm that's relatively disproportionately representing the game um you know if it was actually proportional i think a third of it at least would be high sec people because Everyone forgets that the largest portion of the game is high sec people. Uh, now, you know, how you distinct that is is different. But as of last year, when I know uh, Quant uh, sh actually shared some of the data, uh, high sec was 40 something percent of all of all of EVE as far as uh, players go. As far as the voting in the CSM is concerned, if somebody knows better, then please correct me. But from my understanding, because of the STP voting system that we have, it's not that the wormholers failed to order Azuki at the top of all of their ballots, and so that's why they lost. If any wormholer had him on their ballot anywhere, top of the list, bottom of the list didn't matter, then as the other people higher in the list got eliminated because they didn't get more votes, their votes would eventually get to him. So it's not that they failed to coordinate such that he wasn't at high enough on their ballot. It's that literally not enough people had his name on their ballot, period to get him into the CSM. It's not a, a coordination issue. It's that not enough people voted for him at all. Well, and this springs up uh, the representation thing. Uh, you know, players elect a council of stellar management, which is CSM. It goes up there, advocates, and basically um, checks what CCP is up to to make sure the majority of the players in EVE, or not the majority, but the players in EVE will... Uh, like those changes. That's part of what their function is. These are the new changes we're coming out with, says CCP, and CSM says, yeah, those kind of work. Maybe you should think of this or think of that. Uh, and another part of it is give us feedback on stuff that's already out there. And uh, I think there's a third function in there that's, uh, I don't know, but basically they are an intense focus group and they're kind of representation of the client base that CCP is serving. Is that a fair characterization, Carneros? Yeah, um... But we, what we have to do is take the reality of the current game into, into uh, account and plan ahead now to make a change if you want to change. Maybe that change is to coordinate and communicate more earlier and push harder. Maybe that change is to convince 
more wormholers to invest in skill point farms just to, to have the extra votes to then vote. Maybe that maybe you have to do a deal with other people's skill point farms. Maybe you need to do more diplomacy outside of the wormhole sphere of influence. Maybe um, maybe you have to come up with something new and innovative. Um, Aerith is providing actually some advice in the um, in the stream chat, which is kind of unusual for uh, him to see him giving useful advice to wormhole folks. Um, but you know, there, but something's got to be done. If you just stay on your current path, you're not going to be happy with the next CSM's turnout. Well, right. So that's what CSM's point of uh, function is. Um, but the players that are picked to represent the game generally are the organized ones that produce a list. Say, here, members of our alliance corporation or coalition of players, this is a list of people you should vote for. It creates voting blocks. Those voting blocks have basically put in, uh, I would say, eight out of 10 people, right? Like, there is nobody on CSM except maybe one person, Steve, uh, who was on was not on those lists. Is that a good assessment of that? At least that's my recollection. So it begs the question is 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 a democratic voting system the way they have produced is that the best way for uh representatives of the gameplay of Eve Online? Is that the best way to get uh representation? Because not all gaming companies do it that way, right? I mean I think at the end of the day the only really thing that you can do or that should be done here is CCP is the only one that really can do this is they can look and say the CSM is giving us what we want or it's not. Like I lots of people are like oh they should do this we should do that or they moan about how it's not working for them but you know it is what it is and there's like the there's no point in me whining about how wormhole couldn't get on there we just didn't then that's because the current system that set up, you know, makes it difficult, not impossible, but it's definitely an uphill battle. Now, if CCP, if CCP believes it's important that they have a wormhole voice there, they could do that. And like, I think a lot of people seem to forget that CCP can pretty much have the CSM be whatever they want it to be. If they wanted to, if they wanted to, they could have, you know, they could have people that were, you know, you have that are representing a certain area of the game. If they wanted to, they could make it bigger. They could disallow so many people from the same groups running. Like there's, there's a lot of things that they could do. I think the fact that they're not suggested for the most part, the CCP is, you know, is relatively okay with what they end up getting here. Um, you know, so that's that's just. What, what it's going to be there's there's a million things they could do and from my perspective you know as the as the minority that's currently being excluded i would love to see change and there's things they could do to make it better but that doesn't necessarily mean that that's the answer or the correct way to go about doing it but uh i would hope that ccp does look at the csm though and does at least ask if this is still working and end is still what they want and if the answer is yeah it's working out fine then great you know like keep keep doing what you're doing but um i guess maybe you know we'll see but i mean it's not like i'd hope that at least that they're you know ignorant to the fact that the csm is um not terribly diverse uh, i i, I want to say this is the least diverse csm we've ever had but i only really started paying much attention to it a couple of years ago so i don't know if it was if it's been this bad in the past as well 
I think it part of it is that we have to kind of also recognize that in the gaming community, the CSM and like the relationship that CCP devs in general have with the player base is kind of unusual. So I think we sometimes tend to take that for granted. And I think it's, I mean, I think it's great that there is even this avenue, but again, like Exuki said, it's gotta be, it's, it's what they want it to be or what they're allowing it to be. So in the meantime, I mean, people who are really active in the community eventually do get some connections to CCP. I know that when certain changes come out and like this one, people, you know, get on the forums and they talk and some of those relationships that we develop at like eVegas or FanFest or anything like that else also comes to, comes into play a lot there just because, you know, people who see you in person are more likely to listen to you than just an anonymous name that's, you know, complaining somewhere too. So, um, I think in a lot of ways we do try to rely on that too. hope that our own relationships that we form will matter in the end more than maybe an elected CSM will. If you want to have some influence on CCP, one of your other methods is to, um, is to go to your local Eve events, your, your Eve Vegas, your, your, uh, 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 Dam, your, uh, G Fleet, all these things. Meet the CCP guys that come. Buy them a beer. Tell them your story. Get you know, bribe uh, them. <laughs> yeah, bribe them <laughs> with licorice, right? That they love licorice or liquor. You know, seems easier. Didn't someone mail one of the devs a bag of gummy penises? I think that works real well, right? I think it was opposite signal then. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, I, I know that people in Iceland really like the taste of licorice. Uh, which I think, they do oh, like <laughs> Iceland and Scandinavian countries have candies that are like, yeah, I'd never incur, uh, encountered chocolate covered black licorice until I moved oh, to Iceland. God, that sounds horrid. It's not as bad as it sounds. <laughs> it's not. Well, in any case, I know that a lot of the warm haulers tend to be really active at these meetups. I mean, Ixuki has his own, like he's the one that organizes Eve Northeast, which I went last year and it was really fun. It was like a hundred and something people to, Fozzie was there and you know, that's awesome. I did Eve retreat this last year. It was smaller because the first year, but it was a lot of fun too. And I know at FanFest, but my group always has a big group that goes, we always have a big wormhole party. It's always a lot of fun. FanFest is same. So, you know, again, like we might, we might not be the most populous, but we're very active in this community and in this game and it's fun. And we've got our own little group going and it makes me happy to play the game for all the different people in our group. Well, anyway, we were kicking around the idea, I think, on the Open Comms show that maybe there should be an... Alt- uh, okay, first of all, it should be said that CSM isn't the end-all. They give information, they give advice. I think what was was notable about this one, and the reason it keeps coming up, is that the CSM had said they weren't listening to us when we got there. And Sort had an emotional moment even. It's highlighted as one of the things. And they really said, what are we doing here if we're not going to be listened to? So it was going very bad at the beginning of their summit. So then they went out, they had beers, just like Carnero said. Lo and behold, the next day, they're like, all right, we've, we've listened to what you've said. Here's some balance changes. Uh, they put those balance changes out and wormholes get screwed. So it's, it seemed like this is the first time the CSM had really influenced directly and quickly CCP to make some changes. Those changes were made uh, and it didn't, it, it, uh, didn't account for uh, people who were going to be hurt by that and hurt, you know, maybe you need to evolve. Maybe it's your problem that you're hurt about it. I don't know. But the point is there was definitely enough uproar to say something's happening there. 
And again, this is not the only avenue that CCP has from players to listen to how they should change the game, but it is one, and it seems like, by their own account, it was a very significant one this time around. So what I'm thinking is, well, if most of those people are homogenous, which they are, a lot of them are NullSec leaders. If you look at it, there's a lot of NullSec leaders there. Uh, then everybody else's play style is really just kind of collateral damage. It's whatever comes after the main things that serve their purposes are. It doesn't matter if you're from Goon Swarm. I'm not saying Goons own CSM. I'm saying like NullSec owns CSM. And yeah, they have uh, alts in a high sec. And yeah, they've played low sec. And they've all, these guys have played all ranges of the game. They played it a long time ago. Who knows like what's going on in high sec these days or what the current strategies are in low sec. And I should say that Suetonia is a low sec guy, so it's not completely vacant of low sec representation or faction warfare representation. So then that begs the further question of, is this the best way to get representatives of a game? I mean, I think everybody likes science fiction, and I brought up this point before. Uh, some people laugh at role playing, some people really get into it. Like, where are those candidates? Where are the guys that, uh, that do theater as a living? Where are the guys that do... Um, you know, science fiction writing of comic books uh, as a living or as a primary thing. Like, where's all that influence being uh, coming from if the CSM is really elected by technicians of the game, whether it be on a strategy level or of uh, an actual tactical level? So there needs, needs to be a broader definition of what an EVE player is. It's not just somebody that's in leadership in one of these alliances. And, and, that, and that's a semi-rant about that. But, uh, okay, so Wormholes also had a giant fight, though. Uh, and we don't, we don't know if... The, who, what actually happened here? Does anybody know even, like, what happened? We oh, know it was I, I, can, I can talk yeah, to okay. what happened. Um, so the first thing I think is important to recognize is this was not a big fight. There was actually barely any fighting. So in Wormhole space, we don't have asset safety. So the reason that one side of that BR is so enormous uh, and you know the reason so much ISK died was the attackers chose to destroy every ship that fell out of structures. There was the actual fight. Uh, I wasn't there, you know, so, you know, uh, just the one I wasn't there, but I've talked to several people that were, and they tell me that the actual fight was only about four or five minutes long. Um, Outlaws, which is uh, one of the Russian groups, um, decided to use cruise missile Phoenixes as their home defense fleet, which um, doesn't actually work. It only works in PIFA. So they quickly discovered that they were completely ineffective at hitting materials that are pelting at them. And they succumbed very quickly, all died. And then they tried one more hurrah with a bunch of Slepnirs, in which I don't think anyone would be surprised if I told you what happens when two fleets of somewhat even sizes of materials and Slepnirs face off that that also ended extremely quickly, and they gave up, turtled up, and ran home to one of their structures and let the rest burn. Most of that battle report is simply the attackers launching ships out of structures that they were killing and then blowing those up for, for the kill mills. Um, oh, wow. Which is, so, you know, it's, I think most people I've talked to tell me that they were pretty disappointed. I mean, you know, it's not like any of those groups actually wanted this. I mean, I'm sure some people care, but, you know, making your killboard absurdly green from fake blowing up ships that no one's piloting is I'm sure exciting and impressive to some people, but 
for the people that spent days of their time keeping whole control, being vigilant, watching and everything, you know, uh, it, it wasn't really worth it. They didn't get that big fight that they, I think they were hoping for. And I mean, then the, the defenders even got stuff in, they used Titans to bridge, uh, fleets or, well, I'm not sure if it was mainly interceptors. So they, the hole itself, uh, backtracking a bit here, the hole itself that was being sieged is a class two wormhole with the static five and the static null sec. So it is at any given moment, always connected to a null sec. So what they did is the attackers would would be attempting to keep control of that static null sec by usually, you know, they'd crit it and then leave a ship on the other side. I've referred to frequently as called, it's called backstopping. They backstop the wormhole with a battleship on the other side. The hole is crit, and at the snap of my fingers, I can jump my battleship, roll the wormhole, and any chance of, of you getting in through that hole disappeared. So what they did is they got a Titan, and they put some signers on their ships, and they put got everybody up on the Titan, and they just kept doing this. They'd make them roll the wormhole, they'd poke their head into the next one, and at some point, one of those nulls was in range of the Titan, and it bridged, I'm told, roughly 100 guys onto the wormhole. They blitzed the wormhole and got into a structure. That all being said, because their home defense strategy was uh, cruise phoenixes, then... Um, it didn't work. So like they had people and they still managed to get pretty much nothing done. Uh, it might've actually been a worse home defense plan than armor rattlesnakes. Uh, that, ha 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 ha. That battle came out to 500 billion or more in damages, but most of that wasn't actual ships fighting. Yeah. Most of it wasn't actual ships fighting. I mean, I don't know the exact ratio, but I think if you look, if you wanted to, if you grabbed the BR, the Phoenixes died or, you know, all the Phoenixes that died with a very similar timestamp died in the fight, followed by a whole bunch of slaps and some HFIs. And then beyond that, all the other completely random stuff that you're seeing, that was just, that was just Luke getting blown up. Um, some people are optimistic that that could be the start of further conflict. Um, you know, there there are loose coalitions in wormhole space, but one of probably the tightest ones is, for the most part, all of the Russians in wormholes are pretty tight with each other. Um, and this was by no means their only wormhole. I think the the overall coalition of inner hell outlaws and miss, they have a lot of different alt corps that they keep making. You know, they have over 30 wormholes that I'm aware of. This might've been the one that had the most loot, but it's not even the one that they've been staging out of for most of their operations lately. So um, it's unclear at this moment exactly what's going to happen next. Um, but, you know, I'd be very disappointed if there's, if their answer to their home system being burned was, well, that sucks. And they roll over and go back to doing nothing, especially, you know, given how much warmongering there was from in the, what the usually quiet Russian types were uh, quite happily shitting on um, all the people attacking them, making fun of them, threats, you know, all that good stuff. But we have yet to actually see any of that materialize, which is probably not uh, not a unique situation to wormhole space. Well, we'll we'll keep our eye on wormhole space and see how that's going. Um, by the way, one quick question: Has it's what's the nature of wormhole space these days? If you were to just say in general. Uh, a while ago, it seemed like they were they were being taken over to be rented out. That was a few years ago. Afterwards, the I guess it was the smaller groups were becoming extinct to these massive wormhole groups. Um, 
what about now? What's going on now in, the, in very general terms? So I think for the most part, the, the, you know, being carved out for rental space was mostly just a meme propagated by people upset that they were getting evicted. Um, you have several large groups that for the most part dominate the wormhole space landscape on the, on the high class front, your fives and sixes. Most of fives and sixes are our farms by far i mean i think there's 112 c6s i am only aware of i think three corps that live in c6 space uh meaning that the other hundred and whatever are literally all just people's farming space um and the reason you know so in that sense it's it's kind of like nullsec where you know you have a large expanse most of it's just being used for people to make eskin pve followed by hubs of activity it's different feeling though since in wormhole space they're all disconnected so it's like you can spend you know hours scanning and jumping around c5s and c6s and all you'll find is tiny little farming corporations um and that's also because in wormhole space in the larger corporations that are full of more active dudes um, because our anomalies you know they don't respawn constantly like they do in nullsec if i want space to satisfy several people's need to plex their accounts and buy new ships they might like it's not it's not uncommon that i know in my corp most there's a lot of people that have they have their own system one sometimes two sometimes three real people own one c5 which means as your group gets bigger you've got to conquer more space um Low-class wormhole space, when, when I say that I'm referring to one, two, three, and four, um, it's still kind of what it's always been. We're actually seeing a slow but steady uptick in corporations that are you know, setting up shop and trying to PvP and make money down there, most of whom I think are actually real corps and not just you know farmer alts. Because... Um, uh, you know, wormhole space itself, contrary to what everyone's always memeing about, it's not dying. It's changed a bit. There's a lot fewer corpse left at the top of the totem pole, and there's by far, you know, there's definitely a gap between your large corpse living in C5 space and all of your other smaller, you know, miscellaneous ones living in one through four. But you know, I, I give a state of the wormholes every year at FanFest, and for the third year in a row, I've had to increase the threshold that I use to determine what corp I'm considering an active PvP corp, simply because if I keep using the same uh, the same threshold, my slideshow would last forever. The number of corp, like uh, this year, I had to raise it to 15 billion a month, um, which doesn't sound like a ton, but the, I wanted to keep it low just to make sure we have a, a good landscape picture. The amount of corporations that killed 10 billion a month, which is the threshold I used in 2017, doubled from 2017 to 2018. Um, and as is, my slideshow is pretty long, and some people tell me really boring. So I, you know, <laughs> I had to, I had to, I had to up that threshold just to just to make sure that we could get stuff done. And um, it's a little early to say if that trend is continuing, but I can also say because while I was waiting for all the, the people talking about deals and North and South to finish talking, I was updating my data with the latest data set. Uh, this was also the most active summer that Wormhole Space has had in several years. The, the you know the annual 
uh, if you were you know graph out kills and isk value, you have the the most active part. And I think I'm sure this is true for nullsec too. You know, winter and fall and early spring are the busiest parts of Eve. Historically, there's fewer people playing Eve, and you see some diminishment of activity in Eve in general. You know, when we get into summer, because vacations, kids going outside, you know, uh, sun, whatever. Um, the the amount of decline that we had from that between our more active uh, winter portion and the summer was uh, the smallest that it's been since I started monitoring wormholes um, in 2018, too. So I would say on the highest general level that, you know, uh, the allure of wormhole space continues to generally be, you know, unique mechanics, no local. There's, you know, an entirely different ball game when when cloaky camping means a completely different thing uh, in wormholes than it does in nullsec. But uh, it's, you know, it's small gang, sometimes medium-sized fleet PvP, and there's a there, the opportunity for small corps to come out and eke out a living is is there. Um, mm-hmm. You know, but, I'm sure there are some people out there that are going to cry that, you know, you'll just get rolled over by the large groups. But that doesn't generally happen very often unless you're asking to get evicted, which, you know, these days is, oh, all your structures are low power. You're literally asking me to go shoot you to see what falls out. Yeah. All right. So are you going to have a presentation anywhere? Did you say um, you're not doing uh, E-Vegas this year, are you? No, I can't. I, I won't be able to make you Vegas. All right. Usually, well, I'm the one that does the E Vegas presentation right. on wormholes, right. but I cannot make it this year because grad school rip. Bummer. All right. Well, put something together. We'll put it up. All right. I do want to shift gears in our last uh, few minutes uh, and talk to Hi One Two from Snuff. How's it going? How are you doing? You and I were both interviewed for uh, NER. <laughs> I'm very embarrassed about this because you and I were both interviewed, and you're such a soft-spoken guy that you lasted like seven to 10 minutes talking about yourself. And then I took up like the other 50 minutes. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty funny. <laughs> I totally forgot you were there till at the very end. You're like, yeah, <laughs> like, what are you still doing here? Right. So I'm sorry. Sorry about that. Welcome to talking in stations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but man, you were up to something. What happened? Um, tell us what happened the other night with, between you and Black Legion. So, um, Initially, we had planned to bait out Shoot First, uh, Shadow Gatal, and Siege Green, who are um, people who live in um, Metropolis area, and they're low-sec alliances, and they work together. They've been dropping Black Legion a lot that lives in that area. It's like a corp in Black Legion called Did He Say Jump. They live in that area, and they fight with um, Shoot First and stuff, and they were dropping caps a lot, so we wanted to bait them out. So we contacted Predator Elite and set up a trap and stuff, and... Uh, moved all of our supers and titans and stuff into range and then like you know made sure we weren't seen and stuff and got ready and then on the actual day it was an alarm clock up because they were doing it in u.s time zone so we made all our guys wake up early and stuff got ready and stuff and then we saw that elo had just moved all of the black legion supers all the way from venal into range and predator elite who was supposed to be waiting for us hadn't even like contacted us yet he didn't tell us that they were going to move supers either he um eventually does wake up but that's when the timer comes out because we were baiting on a fortisar anchoring timer in secede which is where siege green lives um uh yeah he woke up and then uh, black legion goes in with their moon fleet and then they instantly drop supers on the subcat fleet of 
Siege Queen and Shadow Cartel and shoot first, which pretty much just blows the whole bait up out because obviously they're not going to cap escalate on the supers and stuff. So um, we're just kind of sitting there at that point in our caps and our carriers because we did drop in carriers and kill a few subs. And like we're sitting there and me and Tower are like, well, hey, what the fuck? We just kind of wasted everyone's time a bit here. Uh, and we get a little bit annoyed. And then... Um, like some of our allies and stuff, like Kenda from Space Violence and uh, Nate from Wangs, um, were like, yeah, why don't you guys, you know, just go and uh, kill them? And then we just asked everyone in the fleet if they wanted to go kill the Black Legion Supers, and they were like, yeah, sure. Like, no one was against it. So we um, pretty much uh, got Erestrian, who was FCing the Shoot First Siege Queen Napoc fleet, to walk back in, drop a few triage, make the Titans untether, and waited for most of the titans to untether especially um a guy called mikhail's titan because we don't like him he like hates snuff and talks a lot about snuff um wait for his titan to untether and we tackled them and just dropped our load and killed them all killed them all uh the bill was like 500 billion uh and damages most of that on the black legion side because you took out uh what seven titans it was six titans and one super the super i think was desynced because he just sat on the Fortizar and we were bumping him around till the Fortizar died. But on some people's screen, it was 2 million kilometers away. And some people's screen, it was still on the Fortizar. So I think that was more desync, which is a big issue when you fight on Citadels because Citadels do cause a lot of desync. Right. Uh, a huge, huge uh, attack. Uh, and, and, and it's funny because you came in third, third partying something, but you ended up attacking the people that invited you. Is that right? Or did I just get it completely wrong? Uh, you cut out for me for like oh. most of them. Um, go back to a second. I wasn't clear on who invited you into this attack. Was it Black Legion themselves? It was our trap. We set it up. We were just oh. using the quote from Black Legion as bait. Oh, I got it. So you ate the bait yourself. Interesting. Yeah, because they fucked up the bait. Oh, as a punishment. Now, this is something like you'd think like, oh, poor Black Legion. But Black Legion has done this to other people too, haven't they? Uh, and they've been called by some other group saying, hey, Black Legion, we got something you might be interested in. They arrive. There's nothing to do. Something went wrong. So they end up killing the people that invited them in. Yeah. Historically, the old Black Legion, not the new one, but the old one more so would like a lot and they'll do it a lot they'd like um turn up and then just either kill you know the people that they were bat phone against and then kill the bat phone or just kill the bat phone for not um you know getting them kills uh <laughs> they even did it to shadow cartel and shadow cartel was pretty happy we did it even though shadow cartel hates us like wow bag of us he was pretty happy with it oh so shadow, shadow cartel is patting you on the back for taking out black legion well, you know, some of them were like, haha, told you so, because, you know, we AWOC Shadow Katal, but Wabaga, who's the leader of Shadow Katal, was like, yeah, they deserved it. So. Well, well, here's the thing. It looks, like, it looks like it's a backstab, right? And this is the second time that you guys have gotten a high profile. You've done a high profile backstab. The other one was with Shadow Cartel after the uh, casino war. Or yeah, when it was winding yeah. up. I mean, are you worried? Thing like, about, yeah. Well, like, the thing about the first backstab was, yes, it was a bad knee-jerk reaction, but the time we had after that um, thing was pretty great content-wise for us because a lot of people hated us and Escalating Entropy split, up, split off from Snuff and you know did their own thing and started openly fighting us. So that created a lot of fights and a lot of ganks for us. So we had a pretty good time after that. And 
the thing about the game right now is it's become super blue donut you know like and everyone's you know super buddy buddy hopefully you know we'll get a few more fights out of this and more people will hate us you know it's good for us we like being the bad people we like to you know fight people that's what we live for you're okay in that role yeah because yeah. we're not a no cycle alliance we cut we can piss as many people as we want off because you know you can't really evict someone from low sec you can kill our stuff but you know that's it right well, thanks for getting us uh, up to speed. Do you know what's going to happen next? Um, no, not really. I mean, hopefully Black Legion does try something, but I think they're focused with Siberian Squad up north right now. They did just have a fight with them, which they lost, where Siberian Squad dropped supers on them. So they are pushing stuff up in branch right now, I believe. They were a little short on supers, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, well, thanks for getting us up to speed. Um, is there anything else uh, any of you guys want to talk about here before we sign off? I just have an announcement after this, if, uh, if there's nothing else. I'd uh, like to give a big shout out to Jonas. Um, he's a big guy enough, and he's been uh, supporting our main FC ID through a lot. So yeah, thanks, Jonas. Oh, one more thing for you, uh, I want to. Um, your relationship with Horde, uh, it's not a very good relationship, is it? No, it is not. Uh, with, with Matani basically saying the Imperium is no longer bound to anything, uh, that does that open the gateway for you to attack Horde? I mean, we've been doing that like a lot recently anyways. We do like to mess around with Horde. The thing is, is that recently um, we lived out of a Fortisar in Ojanin, which is directly next to Horde. It's like the lowest entrance to Geminate. And... Horde, we set it to AU time zone because that's our strongest time zone relative to everybody else because AU time zone is normally weaker for people. So we can do better in that time zone because we get okay numbers. Uh, but Horde, like, bat phone, like, 700 people for it on a weekday, which is a lot for us to deal with. So we just kind of let it die. So we did, like, simmer down with the Horde stuff. We have been helping goons with some raw core dunks and stuff, but that's about it. Um, but, yeah, if I think... A lot of people are like looking at Horde now as opportunities for content. So if people do go down there, I think, yeah, we will start helping people like goons and stuff down there. I think space violence has just deployed down there. So. All right. So you'll yeah. be involved in that theater. Yeah. It should be fun. Well, interesting in a weird way that uh, the Horde, the, the many versus the mighty is flipped on its head. It used to be uh, Bob versus goons in that respect. The many being goons, the mighty being Bob. Uh, and here it's the reverse where goon allied snuff is the mighty and the masses are horde, uh, you know, NC allied. It's kind of interesting how history goes in, in, in Eve. Yeah, I mean, horde is pretty goddamn strong these days. They form good amount of caps as well as subs. But I guess that's raw cause for you. Could they be the saviors of the North? I think they are potentially the strongest alliance apart from NC dot in the north purely because they have the numbers and the caps whereas the other alliances don't really have them anymore because they're quite demoralized even NC is quite demoralized but they're still very super cap heavy so yeah uh it's going to get interesting all right um and thanks again i wanted to it's really good to have you on to talk about this stuff firsthand yeah. uh just want to say the invite yeah, yeah. Uh, eve vegas by the way you're from england or somewhere right so you're not, probably not going to be at eve vegas Nah, I'm not. Yeah, I'm from England. Okay, too bad. That sucks for us. Um, but E Vegas is coming around. It's only in less than three weeks now. It's uh, 
It's coming yeah, fast. That's crazy to think. What happened to September? I just flew by. Um, so what you can expect at eVegas are a few things from talking in station. One is I will be giving a presentation. It will be the continuum of war, the continuum of the continuum of war, which is basically part two. It'll focus on uh, the last two years of conflict. So basically the casino war uh, all the way up to now. And so we'll, we'll see uh, if we can cover that quickly. We'll also be covering, uh, we'll also be having a media um, uh, roundup or not a media roundup, but basically a get together, a meetup, right? So we want to do that. I'll announce it right now for the first time and every time until the Vegas one o'clock on Friday. That's right before the uh, opening ceremonies. It's not right before it's three hours before opening ceremonies. And we're going to meet at the bar there at 2525. Everybody who's there will be um, we'll know where that 2525 bar is because it's right at the steps to go up to the presentations. So if you want to meet um, Dirk McGurk, myself, Carneros, and other people that are from the media, uh, we will be hanging around there uh, with other people that all create content for you guys to read, to listen to, to watch. Uh, so that's Friday, one o'clock uh, before opening ceremonies. And then on Saturday, Talking Stations will have a special lunch with only the Patreons. Uh, and we'll have that, uh, again, Saturday lunchtime at Margaritaville. Okay, uh, that's it for us this week. Uh, anyone have some last comments? It's called World War B. That's right. You wanted to correct me on that. Uh, anyone else have any comments? Look for two things in the future, by the way. What's the name of that war uh, when I give my presentation? Because it's not decided yet. And two, look at what um, uh, Andrew Groen says about the same thing. Because these are the speech that I make and his book, but mostly his book will be the ones that kind of codify that. And it's a very tricky thing to name. But it'll be really so fun. you're saying that in exchange for protection of your keep stars, you're calling it the casino war now. No, I've always called it the Casino War, named by Noisy Gamer, who is part of Talking in Stations. The uh, Imperium may have adopted that title, but it was never their title that they created. That was created by Noisy Gamer. And I've always thought that was an apropos title. Uh, I thought World War B was political. I thought the War of Solvless Aggression was political. I thought my title, which I may go back to, the Mercenary Wars, uh, because I don't think it was one war, I think it was multiples, uh, is also in the running. So we shall see. All right. But that wraps up another episode of Talking in Stations. And uh, we will see you next week on Talking in Stations. <laughs>